Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Dan Mary Ashen. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Before I introduce today's guest, one quick housekeeping note. Check out our video interview series, Conversations with B'nai B'rith, on Facebook and on YouTube. You'll find discussions with everyone from artists to historians to Middle East experts. Watch our latest by subscribing to the B'nai B'rith YouTube channel and liking us on Facebook at B'nai International. Make sure you check us out. Well, stopping by the podcast today is B'nai Vice President of Programming, Rhonda Love. We'll be providing updates on B'nai emergency relief efforts amidst the coronavirus pandemic, the West Coast wildfires and Gulf Coast hurricanes. Rhonda and I will be speaking about how B'nai is meeting the needs of disaster victims around the world as well as our ongoing commitment to service. Rhonda, great to have you on the show today. Thank you, I appreciate being with you, Dan. Well, let's start uh, really at the beginning, present at the creation. So B'nai B'rith was founded in 1843 uh, amidst the uh, number of immigrants that were coming into the United States, largely from Germany and Central Europe. But it wasn't more than 20 years later that B'nai B'rith began to take its original mission of volunteerism and move into helping the victims of natural disasters. Tell us about the origins of B'nai B'rith's disaster relief efforts. The uh, history takes us back to what is uh, pre-state Israel in 1865. Um, Israel, the B'nai B'rith uh, at the time created a fund to support victims of cholera, which had been a huge epidemic uh, at the time. Uh, just a few years later, the first domestic response was in 1868 in response to the Baltimore floods that again, um, the organization had individuals who were uh, impacted and as well as uh, wanting to be of assistance to the community. And since then, it has been present at what would be, you know, most of the historic disasters in our country and around the world, but certainly um, within the last few decades, you know, some of the, the major impact um, events that uh, we have been able to respond to. It's, it's important to note that uh, B'nai B'rith's disaster program doesn't just respond to natural disasters. Unfortunately, it is also needed to respond to man-made disasters. And that, um, you know, example has really been uh, looking at things like the attack in the Oklahoma City bombing um, in, in Oklahoma City, as well as 9-11, and other um, events recent, such as the uh, Pittsburgh attack of the synagogues um, just uh, two years ago. Well, before we, we move into the present, uh, you talked about the history, the, the outbreak of uh, cholera in pre-state Israel and Baltimore floods. I, I was um, attending a meeting of the Southern Jewish Historical Society uh, some years ago and heard a very interesting lecture by Cornelia Wilhelm, the professor that uh, has written a, a great book about the history of B'nai B'rith. And she talked about uh, how B'nai B'rith uh, had been very active in helping the victims of the yellow fever outbreaks in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and in New Orleans, uh, going back to the 1870s. And in fact, if you visit uh, Cincinnati and you go to the American Jewish archives, uh, they have in the B'nai B'rith archive an actual uh, a ledger or a book that was kept by B'nai B'rith at that time with all of the details about the assistance that they had given 
uh, to the victims of these uh, yellow fever outbreaks uh, in the South. So we really do go back a long way in, in providing assistance uh, to uh, people, not only in our own country, but uh, elsewhere as well. And that's what I wanna get into uh, is the significant events of the B'nai B'rith Disaster Relief Fund. Uh, you talked about the victims of the Murrah building uh, bombing back in 1995, but let's just talk about now that the last two decades, um, give us some examples of the kinds of disasters that have occurred and how we've responded. Sure, um, I would say that B'nai B'rith has been present within those two, two decades uh, at over 35 to 40 disasters that have happened. Uh, again, not just uh, natural, but, but also uh, man-made. And the response has really you know, been involved with volunteers wanting to help where literally people went and helped clean up a disaster area or provide funding to support projects that uh, were going to be um, making a difference in this community as at the time of the disaster. And then very importantly uh, for B'nai B'rith, uh, at different stages. So one of the things that we, we really concentrate on are called the unmet needs of a disaster area. And after the headlines and after the emergency people are gone, there is such a need for rebuilding and, and redevelopment of, of not just the physical structure, but sometimes the community itself. So we have funded um, several projects, you know, where that example is known here in the country and, is, and also around the world. Um, I would say um, internationally, uh, Japan is one after major earthquakes. Uh, we were able to um, work in cooperation with a, another humanitarian uh, group that actually comes out of Israel called Israel, and they provided on, you know, on the ground assistance to the victims of, of this particular earthquake. They also um, really dealt with a subject area that we have really also concentrated on funding, which is the need of the psychosocial issues that uh, people find themselves in. And this could be, you know, trauma from having lived through a disaster, as well as, you know, helping those who are helping them. You know, in many cases, the helpers wind up with um, issues that they need addressed, and, and, and our funds have supported programs like that. Uh, in Puerto Rico, after Hurricane Maria, we were able to support, because of donations uh, we received, um, projects that brought hands-on cleanup. Um, through an or another organization that we are partnered with called Nahama, and they are a, a based in Minnesota, but have helped us coordinate volunteer efforts where we have been able to bring people to get involved and help in recovery. Um, an example of that was uh, just a, uh, two years ago, the um, senior housing managers of B'nai B'rith uh, buildings we're meeting in Puerto Rico in, in, to assist in, in the community in, in, in coming back together and helping their, their industry, you know, their hotel industry. But we worked with a uh, program called the World Central Kitchen and the people who were attending the meeting served as volunteers at a community farm that helped provide produce to the um, locations around the, the island that were providing food to people in need and also to, to hotels. So it, it was a great example of being able to help with volunteerism and funds. 
another example, and it's probably the largest example of community service, was our efforts uh, after Hurricane Katrina. Um, when we heard the news of what was happening, saw the reports, um, we were contacted actually by uh, the neighborhood leader um, who knew a doctor who had come to him and said, I need help in being able to take care of the people who have fled to a forest. And uh, they were living in tents and had come without medication and he needed to be able to provide medication for these people. So asked for assistance. So from a first donation of uh, $10,000 that helped get medical supplies to him to the last donation that we, we spent in, in the area to help uh, rebuild a playground at city, in City Park with the efforts of volunteers from the API uh, fraternity, we were able to bring this amazing amount of funding to so many different projects. It included rebuilding homes with Habitat for Humanity. It included helping musicians recover uh, through a special campaign. It, it included medical facilities. We had mobile clinics that we had sponsored in cooperation with Catholic Charities and other um, housing facilities. And a very important point was to help houses of worship. And it was not just synagogues, it was synagogues and churches and other uh, mosques where people literally said to us, please help us help, you know, our community group down the block, you know, help us, but, but also help them. And um, it was an amazing time and, and, and really important to see the, the work of the organization doing something. Well, the list, the list is a long one. I mean, it's, it's the, the victims of 9-11, uh, the tsunami in Southeast Asia, the, uh, Katrina, which you just mentioned, earthquakes in Japan, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. It's a, it's a long list. Just curious to, to ask, because you've been doing this for a long time. Um, there was a time when we didn't have the internet and we'd hear about a, a hurricane or a tsunami and, and we could focus on that. But today, given the internet and satellite television and, and uh, cable television, um, we are finding out about more and more of these natural disasters almost at the same time. How do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you prioritize? We actually have a, a working committee. Um, our disaster relief committee um, will get together, you know, via the phone, phone calls and then a meeting um, to determine if there's going to be a campaign opened up. And which is really an important point that um, there is a lot of research that's done, um, you know, while things are happening to see if there is uh, locations that uh, have uh, been able people involved, you know, our, our own members and supporters who are in this area, who we can be helping, as well as when we hear about different uh, locations, a, a request may come to us where we're able to respond. So it is very hard to pick and choose. And, and the big, biggest problem that we have is that because of the internet, you hear so much about what's happening and then sometimes it just drops off the headlines and you know people have moved on to the next subject so um it's difficult to raise money that way uh when you don't see the need in front of you so we're you know we're very very cautious about how how we open funds and how we respond to funds because we are grateful for the donations that we receive from our donors and supporters and very important that um, we're able to show where every dollar is, is going to good purpose 
um, and the recipient agencies or locations um, are able to, to demonstrate that it is really making a difference in people's lives. Uh, you mentioned Oklahoma City, you know, one of the donations that was made was for us to be part of creating the memorial there. And, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, long after, you know, the, it's out of the headlines, um, there is a lasting uh, remembrance of these people. And while there is this tangible uh, example there, we also funded scholarships for children whose parents were killed at the time. And, you know, you think back and say how many years it's been, but these kids have grown up, you know, they've gone on to be part of society. It, it's, a, it's an amazing impact that, you know, I guess a ripple effect of where a good deed or a kindness comes from by making the donations we do and support we give to then be able to see, you know, the impact. We, we sometimes never know until, until afterwards, you know, that um, the impact it's had. Well, speaking of, of all of that and, and gathering all this news that comes at one time about a disaster here and a disaster there, we are living right now uh, in a time where we've, we've got uh, some real natural disasters uh, going on. And we're watching it. We're, we're, we're here on the East Coast, but we, we can see what's going on on the West Coast. Tell us about what we're doing now in terms of our, our current focus. So I, I want to basically focus on two pieces. One is the current campaign, which is actually a combined campaign. It's to support relief efforts in the Gulf Coast area because they have, were hit by a double hurricane. Um, and we already have requests to, to, for assistance. Um, and the campaign was opened at, uh, at the time um, of Hurricane Laura but is continuing through um, the remnants of Hurricane Sally and of course beyond. Uh, at the same time, we see the wildfires in, in the Western states. And the reality there is, is that it's a massive uh, situation. And, and again, we'll, it will depend upon how much money we're able to raise and uh, what the committee will be able to allocate from some of the existing funds. Um, an example of what we did in another time with the wildfires for, uh, was uh, in a community where the, the local needs of, of service workers, people who were impacted because their industries could not function, um, we were able to support a local community food bank and help these people with a, a small donation, but a donation that made a difference. And the same location, there was also a volunteer program that was facilitated with uh, some AAPI chapters who were able to help them clean up around their facility so that they could mitigate, you know, the, the threat of what future wildfires, which is in a sense keeping, you know, whatever brushes away from the structure. So, um, you know, again, right now we're in the middle of a campaign and we also have to be very cognizant of the fact that we're in the middle of COVID. So our COVID response, um, as a campaign started back in March. And that really was because, you know, we saw what was happening around us, but also because we had this frantic call from a Jewish community, our own B'nai B'rith uh, leaders and the Jewish community leaders in Italy, where they told us they, they need supplies, they need help. And with the contacts that B'nai B'rith has made throughout the disaster world, but very especially with uh, the Brothers Brother Foundation that's located in Pittsburgh, they receive medical supplies and pharmaceuticals from companies 
and are able to make them available to organizations such as us as a way to get it to the right places in the right hands. So with a, a lot of logistics uh, on getting like one of the few flights out, um, they were able to help us get um, 27,000 face shields that wound up in Milan, Italy um, to help them with uh, pre prevent, you know, um, exposure and became really a part of what is a, a PPE program or project where we're looking to provide additional supplies of masks and, and sanitizers, um, as well as um, addressing the problem of food insecurity because of the economy. And uh, we're supporting a program that is actually a, in California um, that's called the Bagel Brigade, which is a B'nai B'rith project, but it helps feed children and uh, families and literally provides um, needed food for them at, you know, for breakfast, for lunches, through the school programs or through shelters. Um, another project uh, because of COVID has been our work as part of a coalition. And we're very happy to be part of a, a Jewish coalition for disaster relief with other very important organizations. And they're addressing international needs and, and one that's concentrating on refugees. So um, some of our allocation will be part of that. And just to go back to the, the story with Italy, because it really, I think, is a, is a classic story of when, when the story of COVID will be told some years from now, um, you referenced the important connecting of dots between or from the request that came in from Benebrith in Italy on behalf of, at that point, I think it was the, uh, the regional government of Lombardy, uh, which Milan is, is the, the capital, um, this need for face guards at that time, um, these needs were tremendous all, all over the world, really. Uh, people were scrambling for this kind of, uh, for these kinds of, uh, of uh, important ways of, of protecting people. Uh, and you had the government of Lombardy, you had the US consulate in Milan, you had the um, Air Express shipper uh, that was involved in this, and of course, B'nai B'rith uh, led by your efforts uh, here in the United States. And uh, it really uh, was a, a tremendous gesture, but it shows, you know, we talk about how has the coronavirus pandemic changed the way B'nai responds to disasters. And here, right out of the box, I, I don't even, I don't think we were out just but a few weeks when this call came in. And Italy at that point was that the epicenter of the coronavirus in, in all of Europe. So it, it's a it's a tremendous story of, of having to react very quickly, uh, provide the, uh, the important materials that were needed, uh, and then getting them over to, to the victims themselves. So it's, uh, it's really something that we're, we're very proud of. Uh, our Disaster Relief Fund, Rhonda, supports also an important project in Latin America uh, with the Benebrith Communities in Crisis Project. Describe what the group does and how does the project help local communities? Well, that actually is another project in cooperation with the Brothers Brother Foundation. And in 2002, uh, there was a huge economic uh, disaster in Argentina and uh, double, more than double, double digits, but really a difficult situation. Um, people were finding themselves uh, really in, in need of, of being able to eat or have medicine. So um, 
the partnership began because of Brothers Brother in Pittsburgh and B'nai B'rith uh, in, around in Washington and, and in our uh, connection to these countries, were able to make, as you said, connect the dots. These, these people um, needed to be able to accept the medicines, um, make sure that it wound up in the hands of, uh, of clinics and, and other um, health facilities where people were able to get the assistance they, they needed. And Brother's Brother receives this material from pharmaceuticals who are able to make the donation because in many cases it, it is maybe near an expiration date um, or it is in a situation where a, a drug has been changed so that it's able to utilize it you know, for the same reason, but for whatever need, it, it, it's available. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the things that we're very proud of is that um, the value of this medicine is, is millions of dollars. Um, and uh, we're, we're really careful. You know, it, it's one of the things that you're dealing with, you know, a political structure in a country. We have to make sure the Ministry of Health and the government and, and all agencies that are involved um, are, are doing everything in, you know, proper procedures because um, you're dealing with people's lives and you're also dealing with um, business. So we are um, very happy, you know, that, that it's able to continue, even though the situation it addresses is, is really bad. Um, it is continuing to this day. Uh, some countries um, have been involved like Uruguay and Paraguay and Chile. And um, currently we're, we're still looking at offers. Unfortunately, due to COVID, it's really become you know, difficult to get some of the ministries to be able to, to focus on, on you know, being able to deal with the emergency they're dealing with and at the same time, you know, help these programs continue. But uh, it is a wonderful aspect of the disaster relief program because it, it really saves lives around around the world it's um it's something that's really important and brother's brother has been a um partner with us uh through the tsunami um in, in back in 2004 where there were container loads of, of supplies being sent to sri lanka and, and uh places that uh needed this so badly as well as um place you know countries that um back in latin america that it, it isn't just a disaster that's happened. It's a just an ongoing difficult situation. Now, partnering is uh, extremely important. And the case of, of Brothers Brother, as you mentioned, and, and with Israel and others, and uh, we haven't really talked about our efforts in, in Haiti uh, with that uh, terrible combination of hurricane and earthquake uh, that occurred uh, not that long ago, uh, where B'nai was actually on the ground um, in, in assisting uh, in, in that uh, particular effort. And I remember being in Latin America uh, at a time in one of the provinces, I remember that it had some natural disaster. And uh, we had a meeting at that time that was arranged with uh, some of the officials from the Ministry of Health um, who uh, discussed how that, again, that connecting the dots process work of getting the, the pharmaceuticals that they needed uh, down to Argentina and having then the transfer to the Ministry of Health and getting uh, the medicines to to the people who who needed them. So really, if if we take a look at this, uh, Benebrith always strives to help as many people as possible. That's behind the the whole idea of of helping the victims. What do you think makes our initiatives unique and impactful? 
I think a lot of it has to do with with our focus on unmet needs. Um, you know, we, we're not always there when a disaster is happening. You know, we, we're not there with blankets and, and water. There are agencies and organizations that do that really well. I think what makes us unique is being able to look at a situation um, and see where we can be of help. We also have been looking at how volunteers can be involved. You know, it, it's not easy to be a disaster volunteer. It's a lot of physical work. And at the same time, you want to make sure everybody's safe. So that is another piece of, of how we connect our funding to, to projects. We also bring volunteers that can be helpful. Let's talk about that. This is, this is important uh, because there, there are opportunities. Uh, what's the best way for folks to become involved and how can people support the needs of victims of natural and man-made disasters through our uh, disaster relief program? Well, the most important thing is to give. Um, we really need every dollar to be able to make a difference. Um, somebody once said, well, can I give you a can of you know, food? And we said, by the time we ship that can of food, it's going to cost us more you know, to, to get it where it has to go. So the cost of that can, we could probably do you know, 10 cans. So dollars are really important. Volunteers are important as well. At this point with COVID, it's not as easy because it, it's it's a complicated situation to bring people into an area, travel, etc. So, but we are really hoping on um, spring of uh, 21 to be able to um, re-up the opportunity. And we have some projects actually that our partners are are, are awaiting uh, involvement for some of the rebuilding. I mean, frankly, you know, there are disasters that are again again gone out of the news, Hurricane Sandy, but there are still the uh, projects that are in need of hands-on effort. And we've been very proudly involved in our young leaders who have been in um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to help somebody rebuild their home after having it been you know, destroyed by the floods or, or the aftermath of what happens when a hurricane or tornadoes go through that. Well, this tradition of Benebrith that uh, as you've told us goes back really to the 1860s as part of our mission then of volunteerism and helping those less fortunate, helping those who are victims of these disasters continues to the present day and, and it will continue. And we're very proud of, of our efforts in being uh, to help folks in need. Uh, Rhonda, we very much appreciate your bringing us uh, current on Benebris emergency relief efforts and for helping turn our mission into action and for your role in it over all of these years. We've been helping those in need since the 1860s and 2020 is no different. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, if you're looking for a way to partner with us, visit our website, benebra.org, to learn about our commitment to helping those in need and consider getting involved. Thanks to Benebra's own Rhonda Love for joining me today, and thank you for listening. Now, if you like what you hear, make sure you never miss an episode by tapping the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. For my guest, Rhonda Love, I'm your host, Dan Mary Ashen. Talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs>